0: How are you guys doing? Good. All right. Well, welcome to Five Stones. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are preaching through the Minor Prophets right now, and we're going through a series called The Gospel According to the Minor Prophets. It's been such a a huge blessing for Rich and I as we get to preach through the Minor Prophets because... Oftentimes when we look at the Bible and we read the Bible, we like to skip over the minor prophets because sometimes the minor prophets are hard to read. It's very poetic. It's very abstract in some ways. And sometimes you have these obscure stories where we're, we're trying to grasp what God has to say. But the beautiful thing about the minor prophets is that the minor prophets is the heart of God revealed to his people right god uses his prophets to speak to his people and th- therefore we have these 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 12 books that are listed near the end of the old testament but every single one of these books point towards the person of who jesus is the old testament they don't know who jesus is they only know that there's a messiah that is to come and to bring in a fulfillment of what god's kingdom is but the old testament is a place where okay we don't we don't get to experience kind of the grace that New Testament church and the church we are in today gets to feel, but they get the revelation of God's character. And so it's this beautiful thing, and so it's been a blessing for us to be able to preach to the minor prophets and to really draw out that gospel message from the minor prophets. If you're joining us and you haven't gone through the first couple books of the minor prophet, go back to to our website, the, all of the other Sermons are on there. It's been a blast to preach. Today I get to preach on Jonah. And for those that have been with us for a couple years now, Jonah, we preached through about two summers ago through our our summer testimony series. And so um, Jonah is one of the shorter books in the Minor Prophets. It's literally four chapters. Um, In my Bible here, it literally is on two pages. Like, that's it. That's the whole book of Jonah. Very easy to read. Uh, so, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Jonah. Uh, you can have it open that way. You can have the the narrative of the story right in front of you, uh, and it's good. Um, what we know about Jonah is that Jonah is a is is very different in its writing styles compared to the other books, compared to the other minor prophets. Most of the the minor prophets is words that are given from God to His people, right? And so the the rest of the minor prophets is 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 God's word to the people. This is this is what I have to say to my people. The book of Jonah, however, is a story of a prophet. So in this, this so it's, it's different. It isn't God's word, but it is a story of a prophet. And we get to learn from just a, a, a section of this, this prophet's life. But before we go into that, we need to learn who Jonah is. So really, we only see Jonah in the book of Jonah, uh he is mentioned in the new testament through jesus fr- from jesus but the other part that he's mentioned is just a small little section in second kings where it says that jonah is a son of amittai and he is from gath hepher which is near nazareth okay so jonah actually he's a galilean and when the pharisees says that there's no there's no prophets that come of ga- out of galilee they're wrong because jonah actually does come from galilee and so he comes from the galilean um area. And so we know also that Jonah is a prophet, but he's not just any second-class prophet. He's not like, like Amos, who was a shepherd and called out into a prophetic ministry. He was a prophet in the, the standing order of the Jewish nation. He was, um, he was serving King Jeroboam II, and we also have heard of his name before when we preached to Hosea and Amos. But Jonah's message compared to Amos and Hosea is very, very different. You see, as Hosea and Amos preached against Jeroboam and saying, like, you need to change your ways or your kingdom is going to fall, Jonah was a very proud Jew that served his nation. He was patriotic, and Jonah supported Jeroboam's aggressive military policies to extend the nation's power and influence. So Jonah was a very influential person. He was one that had great standing with with the nation uh, of Israel in the northern kingdom, and he was the one that was encouraging Jeroboam to do what he was doing, and this was before Hosea and Amos came around. So in a way, Jonah's story, if we look at the book of Jonah, so if you have your Bibles, it's kind of split into two parts and those two parts are in parallel formats of each other you see it's only four chapters long but it's divided into two sections where chapter one is about jonah and the sailors and chapter three is about jonah and the ninevites and then chapter two and four are the prayers and the repentance of 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 jonah and his his conversation with god and so i have it here on the slides here where you can see the two parallels from um, part one and part two of the Jonah story. So there's scene one and there's scene two, and you can see pretty much identical, going all the way down, how the story kind of reflects each other. But how the story reflects each other and Jonah's heart is very different in scene one and scene two. And so this, this is actually taken out of the book The Prodigal prophet by Tim Keller, um, and he breaks it down like this, Jonah, Pagan's in the sea, Jonah the Pagans in the City. And since we all know the story so well, I don't want to go into the story, but what I want to do today is I want to draw out a couple themes or a couple thoughts that are in this story for us to think a little bit more about. So before we, we do that, though, I want to kind of give a general outline because I don't want to assume that everybody knows the story. So I'm going to give you kind of the general outline and overview of the story, and then we're going to go in. So Jonah starts off with God telling Jonah, go to Nineveh. Nineveh is an Assyrian city. Assyria is the enemy of Israel. He's like, go to Nineveh and tell them this message because they're evil, and, and I need you to go and tell them to repent. And Jonah doesn't agree with God. He doesn't actually agree because he's like, these are my enemy, they're evil people. They don't deserve your mercy. So what Jonah decides to do is he rebels and runs away from God, and he runs in the opposite direction of where Nineveh is. So if you look at where Israel is, Nineveh is to the, north, uh, to the northeast. He goes west. West of Israel is the, is, is the Mediterranean Sea. So he actually goes under the sea, jumps onto a boat, and tries to flee to Tarshish, which is, at that time is probably around Spain. And so he tries to flee, but as he flees, God sends a storm to this, this voyage that Jonah is going to take. And this storm is literally to rock Jonah out of his rebellion. And so the storm comes. The captains don't know what to do. They're trying to figure out, oh, we're, we're all going to die in this storm. Finally, the captain calls out Jonah. Jonah comes out of the boat. He's like, it's actually my fault the storm is caused because of me. God is coming after me. What you need to do is throw me overboard, and everything will be fine. And the captain's like, no, we can't do that. We can't just throw you overboard. You'll die. We can't, just, we can't have your blood on our hands, so we can't do that. So they're trying everything. And, the, and finally, they, they cast lots, and they're like, okay, we got to throw this guy overboard. They throw him overboard. The storm calms, and Jonah's heart at that moment was still in repentance. Jonah's heart was still, I'd rather die than go and preach to Nineveh. So he gets thrown into the water. God's grace comes upon Jonah in a form of a fish and swallows him up, and this is his grace, to rescue him. This is God's grace, it isn't just a miraculous thing. God literally sends a fish to swallow him because of his grace, and so Jonah is now in the belly of this fish for three days, and he comes into a, a new revelation and he's just like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry for what I've done. All this. So in some sense, he's kind of repentant. And he's like, salvation belongs to the Lord. And God's like, okay, spit, the, spit him out onto the beach. Go and gives Jonah the same message. Go and preach to Nineveh. Go and tell Nineveh that they need to change. This time Jonah responds by, okay, I'll go. But he goes with spite and content in his heart. He doesn't go out of a repentant spirit. He goes with spite in his heart. And he goes and he preaches the shortest sermon there ever was. five words in Hebrew. It literally says, 40 days and you will be destroyed. That's it. He walks around the city, preaches that, leaves the city, goes up onto the hill to watch Nineveh burn. But what happens is the Ninevites from the top, the kings all the way down to even the cattle, hear this message. They grasp the heart of God and they repent and they turn from their evil ways and God spares them. And now Jonah is livid, sitting on this mountaintop and he is just like, I knew you were going to have mercy. This is why I did not want to go. And so he's watching and God gives him, so he's, he builds his booth to cover himself God sends a vine to give him some shade because it's hot. And he's just, he's just, fuming and he's, he's mad. And God's like, you know what? I What I give, I could take away. He sends a worm. He takes away the vine. Jonah's now scorching and he's mad at God. And he's just like, I'd rather die. So he's, Jonah's heart is still not in the right place to the end of this story. And God's just like, what I give, I take away. And what I give is mine to give. And that's how Jonah ends. It ends on a cliffhanger. It doesn't really give you a resolution. It re- doesn't really give you any kind of conclusion of this story. And so if you want to study it more, you want to read it more, it's only four chapters. It'll take you 15 minutes to read the entire story. You could even get a coffee while you're doing it and, and just sit if you want to go do that now and just sit and read the word. I'm cool with that too and you don't have to listen to me. Um, but let me pray and I'm going to pull out a couple themes today out of this story. So, Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are good, you are God, and you are the one that has given all things. And so, Lord, as we come and study Jonah, as we come and read this story that you have given us, Lord, may we come and look at what you have to offer to us, your grace, your mercy, and ultimately your love and your example of how we are to live. So, Lord, we thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jonah's story starts off by God telling Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. You see, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. Assyria was a great city. It's one of the biggest cities actually of that time. But Assyria was also known as a people that were evil. Assyria was one of the most was one of the cruelest and most violent empires of the ancient times. They were known for torture. They were known for dismembering and decapitation of their enemies. They were in that sense a terrorist empire and at that time they were also extracting a heavy tribute from israel all the time and threatening the jewish northern kingdom throughout the throughout the entire lifetime of jonah so for god to say go to nineveh to jonah this is equivalent to of god telling jonah go and love your enemy and the ones that are threatening you and the ones that want to kill you and go tell that enemy that you need to change your ways and repent or god will wipe you out that was what god was calling jonah to do jonah did not want to go you see jonah was highly patriotic we have to emphasize the fact that jonah loved israel he was saying i am god's voice for his people now you're telling me to go to my enemy and tell them to repent? Are you kidding me? Just destroy them. It's equivalent to telling a Jewish man during the World Wars to go to Nazi Germany and preach the gospel. It's equivalent to telling a black man from the Deep South before the Civil Rights Movement happened to go to the Ku Klux Klan and preach the gospel. It's equivalent to telling a Korean man to go to the Japanese during the Japanese occupa- occupation and preach the gospel. This is. The heart of Jonah, you have to understand that this was Jonah's enemy. These were not good people. These were not people that Jonah thought deserved the gospel, let alone God's mercy and grace. So Jonah, in his thinking, Jonah had every right to run and flee from this. He had every reason to do that. One, because if he goes into his enemy, this is stupid, because if he goes there, he probably would be be slaughtered. He would probably die. And number two, that Jonah's like, I would rather see them burn under your justice than to give them a chance. So Jonah's like, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going to go the other way. And that's why he jumps onto a boat and heads To Tarshish. It's because he's like, I can't do this. You're calling me and telling me to do something that is completely outside of what I want to do. So Jonah not only had a problem with the mission, what Jonah had was he had a problem with the one who gave him the mission. He had a problem with who God was and what God was telling him to do. He didn't see any good reason for God's command. Jonah doubted the goodness, the wisdom, and the justice of God. So in many ways, all of us have experienced this in some ways. We've experienced this in taking our circumstances and our our choices into our own hands, in our personal interest to do things. Even though... A lot of times when we choose to do things, we're not doubting the goodness of God, or at least we don't think that we're doubting the goodness of God. And we're thinking that we're doing this out of what makes me comfortable, what makes me happy. We're in like Jonah in this way. You see, not everything makes sense sometimes. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is, is dealt to us in a place where we're just like, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm not happy if I have to do this. Or God calls you to do something where you're just like, well, that's outside of my character and outside of who I am, and it, this doesn't fit into who I am. The problem here is that we have an, an idea of who we are, and we focus on our wants, our desires, and our own selfishness. And we don't think of what God has for us. God has called each and every single one of us and given each and every single one of us a calling in our lives. We live, though however, thinking more of ourselves than thinking about what God wants. We live often thinking about what we want over what God wants. Sometimes we look at our circumstance and our situation and we think, well, I'm unemployed right now. I'm looking for jobs. I, I can't find a job. I have applied to every job that I'm qualified to give. And I'm more than qualified to do these jobs, but I'm not getting, I'm not landing these jobs. Maybe that's God saying to you, that's not actually what I want you to do. Maybe that's God re- redirecting you and saying, you know what, I want you to go this way instead of the way that you want to do. Maybe we look at relationships and it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm single. I want to be in a relationship. I, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing after this girl or chasing after this guy, and nothing just seems to happen. Everything seems to be like all these missed opportunities. Maybe you saying like that person may not be the best person for you. That I have someone that is better for you. That I have something that s- something that is better for you. You may just you just may not see it at this time. Just be patient in it. Walk in my ways. Maybe it is an incident where. You get a bad diagnostics in your health. And you're just like, okay, God, what is this about? Why, why do I have to deal with cancer? Why do I have to deal with vertigo? Why do I have to deal with all these things? And God's saying, there is another plan that I have for you. And in that plan, I want to show you something. See, many of us have an understanding of how God works. And that understanding comes from our own desires and our own... Our, our own ways of thinking, and it's not actually the way that God thinks. We feel sometimes that things, if they don't go this way, then God must not be good. But the reality is that God is always good, and that we always need to trust him. But when we run away from God, and we turn and do it our own way, what we're saying is that we don't trust that God's commitment to us is good. We don't trust that God's wisdom and his plan for us is, is, is good enough for us. What we're turning away from is we're turning away from God and completely coming into ourselves. We come into a place of ourselves. The reality of the way that we live is either we live with ourselves or we live with God. Those are the only two realities that exist. You either live with God or you live with yourself. There is no in-between. If you feel like God doesn't have it, then you're really listen, living with yourself. You know that God exists, but you're not living that God exists because if you truly know that God exists, then you would completely put your trust in who God is that no matter what the circumstances, that you know that God's way is better and that you would know that no matter where you're put in, that God's care, his protection, his provisions will always go before you and that you don't need to fear of what is coming ahead of you. That God has already planned all that is ahead of you and that in, even in the worst case scenarios because you know that God is good, you know that God is Lord, that even in the worst case scenario, you're still able to worship him. That's living with God. If you're not living this way, then you're living for yourself with the knowledge of God. You don't know him, you just know that he exists. Because when you know him, you can put your ultimate trust in him. So Jonah knows God, he's actually a voice for God, but he doesn't trust that God has the best in mind. So the first time we see that Jonah rebels against God. But the second time in the second scene, God act, Jonah actually obeys. However, he does it with content and spite. The repentance that we see in chapter 2 is that he, he it isn't a true repentance. He just comes under the grace of God. He's like, okay, God, you have spared me. I understand you love me. Your, your grace and your mercy comes for me. But here's the thing is that when God's grace falls on me, it's all good. But when God's grace falls on anybody else, you're just like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. We like to see justice happen to those that have wronged us. We like to see justice happen to, the, to our enemies that deserve justice. Yet God... In this story is revealing his heart for Nineveh to extend his mercy. And what God is saying to Jonah is, love your enemy. In Luke chapter 6, it says, Jesus says, Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you, and bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. That is a huge command. Love your enemies. That The justice of God continues to reign even when you love your enemies. That the justice of God continues to be present even if you don't agree with what these people are doing. God wants to show Jonah something. When Jonah only sees mercy, God says, I want to show you justice through mercy. God's like, I want to extend mercy to a place where justice needs to fall. You see, the judgment of God is that he would destroy Nineveh. That was God's plan. I'm going to destroy Nineveh. In Nahum, another minor prophet book, so you'll see that Nahum prophesies that Nineveh will fall. And Jonah's just using this is like, look, you said Nineveh will fall through Nahum. And if you tell me to go and preach this, that means you're just going against your own prophetic words against Nineveh. And so Jonah's like, I'm justified in the ways that I'm thinking. I'm justified in in, in my thoughts. I'm justified in my ways. Why do you want me to do this? And so Jonah's heart is still in a place where he's just like, I don't completely trust that you know what you're doing, God. But God is saying, Jonah, walk me, with me in this way. Understand my ways. Understand the, the thing that I'm going to do because the thing that I'm going to do with Nineveh is going to show you what I'm going to do to the whole world. So in the first half, Jonah was in a boat. He doesn't understand what's going on. He runs away. He does all these things. He's he 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 feels like, God doesn't know. And so Jonah goes, runs away, and, and in both scenarios that we see, whether he's in the boat or in the second half where he is in Nineveh, Jonah is with pagans. Jonah doesn't like to be with pagans. He likes to be with his own people. He likes to, to preach. He's, he's extremely patriotic. He's very nationalist. He's like, I'm, either, I'm just with my people and I don't care about anybody else. Sometimes this is God just pulling out something and just like, how are we as Christians? As a church, do we just look inwards and forget about what what God has called us to do in our community and to look outwards to those that don't know who he is? And so in both scenarios, you see Jonah placed into a situation where he has access to what the people that he's, he's with need. You see, Jonah has God with him. God is chasing after him and he sends a storm. He's on this boat with, with pagans and they're all scrambling, trying to figure out how do we get saved from this? Who has the answer? Jonah. Nineveh is in this place where they're, 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 they're living this cruelty and terrorist lifestyle and God's like, I'm going to come and and completely smite all these people, and I'm sending Jonah to give an answer for them. That's the thing is that God has placed you and placed the church in every single community to provide an answer for that community. Five Stones Church is placed here in New West in the Lower Mainland because we are here to provide a solution for the problems that our community is facing. You are placed in your workplaces, in your schools, in your communities because you have an answer for the people that are living in that place. And that answer is God. That all of these places need God and that you are the ones that are placed there so that you can you can. Give people the answer to life, which is to live with God. That is the whole purpose of this. When Jonah was in the boat, you could say that in our community, whether we are believers or non-believers, we're all in the same boat. Whatever happens in the community affects everybody, not just believers or non-believers, but it affects everybody. If the economy of that community is going down, it affects you, it affects the non-believers. If the social structure goes down, it affects you, it affects others. If there is a coronavirus that happens, it's going to happen to everybody. That whatever happens in that boat, you're in that boat with them. You are not exempt from it. But the thing is, you have a solution that they don't have. You have a solution that God has given you, that there is life with him, that there is salvation through him, that all the things that we're facing, all the negativity, all the, the bad things that happen, that there is an answer to all of these things. And you hold that answer, church. But Jonah doesn't respond this way. The more I talk about this, the more I realize how horrible a man Jonah is in this story. Jonah doesn't do this. In the midst of the storm, what does Jonah do? He goes into the boat and he goes to sleep. He falls asleep because he doesn't want to face, he doesn't want to deal with whatever is, is, is happening around him. All the, the chaos, he's just like, I can't, I can't deal with this right now, I'm going to go sleep until the captain calls him out. It's literally, the captain rebukes him of what he's doing. This gives us a picture that the outside world that looks at the church, sometimes the rebukes that happen to the church is justified because sometimes that church is not doing the thing that God has called them to do and they're only looking inwards and saying, I'm justified in what I'm doing. I don't need to care about what you guys are doing. And so, therefore, when the when people call the church out on doing something that the church is supposed to do and is not doing it, that is justified. And so the captain calls Jonah out and says, like, Hey, what's your deal here? And Jonah responds by like, I'm a Hebrew, and God has told me to give this message and I'm running away from him. This storm is God trying to get me to go back. And so the solution for you is throw me overboard. Throw me overboard, everything will be fine. I am the cause of all of this. The community still doesn't go for that. They're not just like, oh, that's simple, throw you overboard. No, the community actually tries to save him. They're just like, we can't kill you, that's not right. And so, some, so in this picture, in this scenario here, the pagans are more righteous than Jonah is, right? The, the, the pagans are doing the right thing and Jonah's not even doing the right thing himself. So they try to fight and they fight harder and Jonah's like, you guys just need to listen to me. Just throw me overboard, just trust me on this. And so the captain's like, okay, fine, we'll throw you overboard. And they cry out to the Lord and say, let this blood not be on us. Don't let the death of this man be upon us. And they throw Jonah overboard and miraculously, instantaneously, the storm calms. And what do, do the pagans do? The pagans look towards the Lord, Jonah's God, And they offer a sacrifice to him. And they came into fear. And this fear isn't that I'm scared. But it's that fear of the Lord that gives wisdom. It's that fear of I now understand God's grace. I understand God's mercy. I understand God's, God's love. And they give sacrifice to the Lord. And in the Hebrew word, they don't use the word Elohim, which means God. But they use the sacred word Yahweh which is the sacred name of God. And they give sacrifice and make vows. And so you see these pagans coming into faith. See, anywhere a church is placed, the job of that church is to help people come into faith. Is how people come into an understanding and a belief of who God is and into a knowledge of who God is. But not only a knowledge, but into a deep understanding and love and relationship with God. That's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to to let our light shine. You see, in Matthew 5, 16, it says this, in the same way, let your light shine, others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven that your job is to shine so that everybody else can see jonah even though his heart was not in the right place he still declared this is my god and my god is after me so he still let people know and as long as the light shines people will know who god is despite jonah's heart jonah then goes to nineveh and same thing happens again He goes, like I said, he preaches a sermon, 40 days, you guys will die. What a miserable man. Just a miserable sermon. Just a bitter heart, just proud and just, 40 days, if you don't repent, you're going to die. Imagine a guy coming around the city, walking around the streets of New West saying that. Like, what would you think? What would you think? You'd probably just think he's crazy. You're just like, oh, okay, 40 days, we're all going to die. You're insane. He's, he's a write-off. But no, God uses him in that community, and God completely transforms an entire city. One of the largest cities of ancient times converts everybody from the king all the way down to the livestock. It literally says livestock. Like, they put sackcloths on the livestock. So even the, the cows got converted, okay? <laughs> Conversion of cows. That's what Five Stones needs to do. We need to convert even the cows and the dogs of the city, Okay? That's your call. Jonah goes, preaches this message, goes up still in his bitterness. He waits and watches for Nineveh to burn. But yet God's mercy falls on Nineveh. Conversion comes, transformation comes. And Nineveh is displeased and angry. And he's like, he says to God, this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish for I knew that you were gracious you were a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. John is like I knew you were like this that's why I didn't want to do it. Isn't that such a great picture of God's heart for us? But what this actually reveals to us, it brings up a mirror to our own lives in seeing ourselves and the character that we have in terms of how we relate to our enemies and how we relate to our our community. It brings up a mirror to to us and it magnifies our character and, and, and thinking, are we okay that God loves my enemy. Are we okay that God puts up with me even though I am the way that Jonah is? What is the part of me that is like Jonah that I see? Is there prejudice or unforgiveness in my heart? Does justice for me come with mercy? This is what God is trying to reveal. You see, when we live in this world, we see a lot of good things that are happening, whether they're believers or non-believers that are doing it. That's because there's something that we call common grace. Common grace is believing that all good things come from God, and God pours down his wisdom, his power, his, his goodness onto the earth, and that everything that we have good is from God. That's common grace. That whether we believe it or not, that everything that is created, all the advances that we have, all the artistic expressions that we have in this world, all the scientific revelations that we have discovered, all of these things are from God, whether we know it or not. That in Isaiah, it actually says that even a farmer, when it, it farms and it, it plants a seed and it reaps its fruit, that even though he doesn't know where it comes from, that all of these things are from God. That's common grace. That God's grace and goodness falls on people, why? Because God created every single person and God's heart is for humanity. That every single person that exists in this world, whether they are good or bad, are made in the image of God and therefore because they are made in the image of God, they are precious in his sight and he wants their heart. Whether you agree with it or not. You might say that person is evil, but God's mercy still extends to him. Are you okay with that? That's what God is trying to portray in this, this story of Jonah. Are you okay that God extends mercy? But not only are you okay with it, are you able to do just as God did? What happens in Jonah is fulfilled by Jesus on the cross. What happens in Jonah is that Jonah wants justice. God also wants justice, but God wants mercy to triumph over justice. And God does that in the person of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, it was justice paid, mercy fulfilled. That's what Jesus is about. And now that we live in this place uh, under the new covenant of having Jesus' grace and mercy fall on our lives, we need to check ourselves in seeing Are we Jonahs in the places that we live where we have resentment and prejudices towards people in our community or enemies that we we are faced with and how does God want us to respond to this thing and how does God want his gospel to go out into their lives? That's what the story is about. The story of Jonah ends with the cliffhanger and it ends with Jonah pouting. But we could speculate that Jonah in the end did understand grace because he was able to tell people of this absurd story because what kind of man would let the world see what a fool he was unless he had become joyfully secured in God's love? The narrative of Jonah is that God is just and merciful, but this is only fulfilled and seen at the cross that the justice of God and the mercy of God became complete for the world when Jesus died for you. Church, how do you respond to this? What is your actions and what is your heart saying? What is God saying to you today? What is the Spirit motioning you to do today? Let's pray. Father God, as we come before you, Lord, we just ask for your Spirit to come and bring an encouragement. Bring an encouragement of hope and grace into this church, into your people, and teach us to love the way you do. Teach us to love the way that you love. Teach us to be more like you. Father God, reveal the things that are in our hearts that are like Jonah, where we're holding prejudices, where we're holding unforgiveness in our spirit in terms of how do we love people in our community. But Father God, we just ask for you to come and overwhelm us with the way that you live, with the way that you understand the world, and with the way that you see the world. So Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.